Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville. Local Pride, Global Technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com. 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Daniel Robison, Assistant News Director here at WFIU, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today, U.S. District Judge Johnny Jones III joins us on the program. Today, he is on campus to deliver a talk titled Judicial Independence and the Pennsylvania Case of Intelligent Design in Public Schools as part of the College of Arts and Sciences Themester Evolution, Diversity, and Change. He's been a federal judge in Pennsylvania since 2002. Welcome to the show, Judge Jones. Daniel, it's my pleasure. Uh, And Mary Catherine, great to be here. Before we get started, let me remind listeners they can join the program, ask a question, or make a comment. Locally, you can call 812-855-0811 or toll-free. The number is 1-877-285-WFIU. You can also send in a written question by going to our website at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can also follow us along on Twitter at Noon Edition, just one word. Well, Judge Jones, uh, the subject of your lecture today is a case you presided over a few years ago, Kitzmiller versus the Dover Area School Board, which, as an MSNBC article from The Time put, was one of the biggest courtroom clashes between faith and evolution since the 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial. You ruled that intelligent design violated the Constitution and should not be taught in public schools. Most of the cases you preside over, you don't go around delivering lectures on them. Most don't hear about them outside of Pennsylvania. So just to start things off, in your opinion, why are we here four years later still talking about this particular case? Well, Daniel, it's an enduring uh, American uh, dispute uh, that – and I'll talk about today uh, during my lecture. But it goes back to scopes uh, and uh, there's been – uh, a, a continuing debate uh, in the United States. Uh, it, it is not necessarily limited to the United States, but it's been predominantly uh, here, and it is the battle between those who believe um, uh, that uh, evolution is is both a theory and a fact, and and accept it uh, as such, and and uh, those who uh, uh, choose not to uh, uh, to do so. And every once in a while, uh, that. Uh, uh, causes a controversy to find its way into uh, a court, and um, you know my case was deemed scopes two uh, in its time, and whether uh, historically it'll uh, end up uh, being that um, will be decided long after uh, I leave uh, this life, I, I'm sure. But uh, but it was a very interesting time. Scopes the sequel. <laughs> Son of scope, <laughs> whatever, whatever you like. Well, for listeners who aren't familiar with what uh, intelligent design is, uh, can you provide a, a definition, or at least your definition? Sure. Mm-hmm. Intelligent design uh, uh, basically posits that there are certain um, life forms, uh, certain uh, um, uh, 
uh, organisms uh, that uh, are so complex uh, and uh, uh, so exquisitely uh, set out uh, that uh, they could not have been the product of uh, random chance or evolution and therefore they must have been the, the product of a designer, an intelligent uh, designer as, as the case uh, may be. The, the phrase is new. The concept is not. The concept actually predates Charles Darwin um, and, and uh, goes back uh, uh, as far as the early 1800s uh, uh, and what the school board attempted to do in Dover uh, and it bears uh, stating was, was to uh, teach uh, intelligent design as an alternative to uh, Darwin's uh, theory of evolution as, as the scientific alternative to uh, Darwin's theory. Let's start at the beginning. Let's go back to uh, how this case got started and how it ended up in front of you and then uh, maybe talk about uh, your decision process uh, as sure. the case was going mm -hmm. on. Well, the uh, the school board in uh, Dover, which is a, uh, a rural community south of Harrisburg in central Pennsylvania, began to uh, consider a policy change uh, in um, 2004 and it was very controversial uh, and, and through uh, – a um, uh, series of school board meetings that were uh, uh, extremely raucous and, and difficult uh, came a policy that would uh, man that mandated that uh, uh, the teachers, the science teachers, at the commencement of the uh, portion of the ninth grade biology curriculum when evolution would be taught. Uh, would read uh, a statement and the statement, uh, the summary of the statement is that we're now about to teach uh, Darwin's theory of evolution. It is a flawed theory. It has gaps in it. Um, in effect, it's problematic. Uh, it's not the only theory. Uh, there's another theory, intelligent design, uh, that is a scientific alternative um, uh, and we commend it to you. Uh, however, we're not going to teach it. They, they, they knew uh, that that would be a problem and they thought saying that they're not teaching it uh, would make it so, although uh, in the final analysis they were in fact, in my opinion, teaching it. Then they directed students to a book in the library that had been donated uh, and uh, that was called The Pandas and People, uh, which is sort of a basal text for uh, intelligent uh, design. The uh, 11 parents uh, brought suit in the federal court uh, challenging the policy uh, alleging that it was a violation of their constitutional rights, their children's constitutional rights under the Establishment Clause in the First Amendment. And the what ensued was about a year of litigation culminating uh, in a uh, six-week trial in 2005 and, uh, and a decision by me in December of 2005. Let me back up just a little bit and if you would just fill in some things for, mm -hmm. for Hoosiers. Mm -hmm. um, not familiar with that portion, uh, if you could describe maybe that part of, of Pennsylvania. Sure. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of think of this as a Bible Belt issue. Mm -hmm. um, if you'd maybe bring to bear some of that information, background on this as well, might be interesting. Sure. Uh, well, you know, Pennsylvania, um, I suspect, uh, in, in many ways, in central Pennsylvania, is very similar uh, to this area. Um, I'm, I'm hardly an expert uh, in your area, but I have a sense of it. And, uh, uh, wonderful people. Um, uh, truly, it's a trite phrase, but salt of the earth, mm -hmm. uh, good citizens, hardworking, mm -hmm. um, uh, 
um, and, and yes, a, a pretty strong religious bend. I don't know if you would de- deem it the Bible Belt, but Dover itself uh, has a strong religious uh, uh, history. Um, uh, but um, it was probably an unlikely place for this dispute to, to arise in the sense that uh, Ohio, Kansas, uh, other places, uh, uh, the uh, the sort of um, movement, if you will, uh, promoting intelligent design was much farther along than uh, than uh, Dover. So it was um, um, somewhat of a surprise, I think, to people that it that it uh, uh, came up in this uh, area. But it was a, a school board that was dominated by a uh, a faction um, containing young Earth creationists who absolutely rejected evolution and um, were looking for a way to uh, – in the first instance, they, they didn't want to teach evolution. They were disabused of the notion uh, by their solicitor and, and by their uh, administrators who said it's a, it's a state mandate. You have to teach it. So it was clear that um, um, they deflected to this uh, Plan this B. Policy. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think at the end of the day, I have to tell you that um, you know, I, I live far from Dover. I'm in a very, very big judicial district uh, that goes from the New York border down to the Maryland border. But um, it, it's quite clear from everything that I've understood and read uh, that um, the great majority of the of the folks in the community were embarrassed uh, by yeah. this. Uh, they voted out the school board um, after the trial and uh, uh, I think they, they felt that the, the school board sort of hijacked uh, the uh, – the uh, community and, and it ended up not only embarrassing them but costing them a lot of money till it was mm. all said and done. Oh, I can imagine, yeah. What do you think the school board was so dead set on pushing this issue through? Well, when they took office, uh, it, this was revealed at trial. Um, they had some board retreats which were not public but the board members attended and to the alarm of several of the board members, um, the members of the board who later uh, uh, pushed this policy uh, talked about um, uh, their uh, rejection of evolution and their desire to get uh, creationism into uh, the uh, curriculum in, in some way. And and this just was a steady drumbeat for a couple of years and um, it, it, it was a product of their uh, absolute rejection of uh, – of evolution, it, it, you know, these are people, and, and I want to be very clear that I, I'm not denigrating anybody for their beliefs. But uh, against all evidence, uh, uh, the two sort of thought leaders um, uh, on the school board um, uh, would tell you that the Earth is approximately six thousand years old, uh, and uh, and you know, under those circumstances, they thoroughly reject uh, evolutionary processes. Uh- were, were the unadvertised meetings, were those in and of themselves illegal? No. The, the, these were retreats. They were not decisional uh, meetings. There is a sunshine law in Pennsylvania, but they didn't violate the sunshine law. That was never an issue. Actually, the, the, what was interesting about the case, there are so many interesting things about it, but the school board meetings themselves were public um, and um, – uh, one of the things I had to look at in the analysis of the policy was what was the purpose of the school board and of course to do that, you look at what took place at the meetings. The meetings were taped and um, uh, strangely enough, uh, as the litigation proceeded, uh, it was apparent that the tapes had been destroyed. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so there was no record um, on tape of the school board meetings and uh, what the plaintiff's attorneys were forced to do uh, was among other things call – uh, newspaper reporters who had covered the meetings and written about them 
and and the defendant school board members uh, um, uh, took the position that the reporters uh, invented the articles and reported things that they hadn't seen. Uh, and the reporters didn't want to get themselves injected into the mess and that caused a little bit of controversy and I, I felt badly about that. But they had to testify mm-hmm. because they had to validate in effect uh, uh, what they had uh, viewed. Um, it wasn't a question of revealing sources. It was a question of uh, mm-hmm. witnessing, uh, witnessing um, and uh, the school board meetings featured uh, – um, you know, people talking in scriptures, school board members accusing other school board members of being atheists if they didn't uh, get with the policy. Um, uh, they were astonishing, um, uh, you know, hours and hours uh, long events that were dominated by discussions about um, about the enactment uh, of this policy as as it. Uh, proceeded in 2004. Mm-hmm. Judge, how do you personally go about preparing for something like this? Are you um, required to only listen to the testimony that's brought before you during court while it's in session and, and any you know meetings you might uh, hold? Or do you actually have to do some research beyond just the the law? That's a that's a great question. I get you know I get that question often and. Um, uh, I don't have to prepare, and I shouldn't prepare. Um, the way our legal system works, and and it and it's sometimes hard to grasp this, is we get everything that we need inside the courtroom. Same with the jury trial. Uh, this was to me only because they were asking for an injunction, and only a judge can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in answer to the unasked question, but uh, yeah. often asked questions of why was this just you right. and not a jury? But um, we're not. Um, uh, we, we should never uh, accept evidence from outside the record and uh, what took place in the trial, uh, Margaret Talbot is a writer for The New Yorker and uh, wrote an article as soon as the trial concluded but before I decided it uh, and it was, a, it was a wonderful piece and she commented in the article that the trial was like the science class that you wished that you'd taken when you were in uh, school and it was – that was a, a completely apt characterization because – uh, I heard uh, testimony from biologists, uh, theologians, uh, uh, paleontologists, uh, experts in the field of teaching um, from around uh, the country, uh, the, the very best uh, that they had to offer. Um, so they took me to school and uh, everything that I needed to decide the case I received within the, the, the corners of the courtroom. It must have been a fascinating process. It was extremely fascinating. It was a – you know, I, I got in some trouble with my law school because I said that uh, nothing prepared me better to handle the case than my good liberal arts uh, education, uh, uh, and I didn't mean to reject my uh, legal training. Uh, that that's understood. But uh, you know, if you have a curious mind and you enjoy uh, uh, learning new things, it was a it was a fabulous uh, opportunity. And I hadn't particularly ever questioned uh, evolution, but admittedly hadn't studied it. Uh, uh, in in decades, and uh, so it was it was a redo of that, but mm-hmm. then brought up to date, uh, and uh, you know, with, with every passing year, uh, there are new discoveries that I think uh, tend to validate mm-hmm. uh, uh, evolution. I'm not a tout for evolution; I, I called it the way I saw it, but uh, it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, we have our first uh, phone caller on the line. Uh, Stan has called in. Stan, are you there? Uh, Your, Your Honor, you you. Said the magic phrase "liberal education," and unfortunately, a lot of my friends who are conservative and, and some of them who are religious don't see that term as meaning anything but 
ultra-liberal and anti-conservative. And these are good people, as, as, as those you, you've mentioned. And I wonder whether you could speak to the what I would guess I would have to call the failure of our educational system to teach or, or to provide access to comparative religious studies so that people who perhaps have grown up in households that don't make these things available to them can see that there's a quite a variety of religious experience and and perhaps learn some tolerance for the existence of others if you would speak to that. sure well i'm a little reluctant to to delve into um you know comparative religion courses um there's a there's a strong temptation always uh, to um you know, when I get questions to uh, to answer them, and then I think, you know, I'm, I, it looks like I'm holding myself out as the smartest man in the world. And uh, uh, school cu- school curriculum decisions are not my forte. I'm a I'm a federal judge. I, I will tell you that from this experience, uh, I've learned that we are deficient, not necessarily in that area. Um, we're deficient in civics education. Um, the vast majority of our fellow citizens don't understand how courts operate. And, and at least partially to your point, um, I was appointed by George W. Bush to the bench. Uh, I have a Republican background. It was assumed thereby uh, that I would decide this case in a way differently than I did. Um, and that, uh, as it ended up, was a, was a fallacious uh, uh, assumption. And um, those who assume that don't understand how judges work uh, in, the, uh, in the United States and don't understand how the third branch, which is the judicial branch, uh, operates. And, you know, sort of concurrently with that, uh, we're not doing, a, I don't think, a good enough job in the science education area because somewhere we're losing um, steam, uh, as you can see, particularly as it attends uh, teaching evolution. Well, thank you, Stan, for calling in. You too can call in and ask a question on our program locally. It's 812-855-0811 or toll-free 1-877-285-WFIU. Um, you mentioned that <clears> – pardon me. You were appointed to this federal judgeship by George W. Bush. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about how your uh, – what your path to your current position was? Yeah, I, I, I was a um – uh, lawyer in upstate uh, Pennsylvania uh, for a number of years uh, and uh, joined the administration of uh, Governor Tom Ridge, um, mm-hmm. who's a great friend and mentor of mine uh, and stayed in the administration in a, uh, a capacity uh, uh, for uh, all the time that uh, he was governor and a little bit after he'd left uh, left for uh, Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. And I'd always harbored a, uh, an idea that I wanted to be uh, a judge and um, a vacancy opened on the court, and um, and uh, so I uh, I entered the competition for it, and I was fortunate enough to be nominated in 2002. It it is a uh, uh, a brutal uh, process to to get nominated for the federal courts, uh, and it took about a year and a half from beginning to end until I was confirmed by the United States Senate. But uh, it, it it's sort of the capstone of an ambition that I had. For from the time that I was a young lawyer, that uh, that I wanted to be a judge. And, and pardon my ignorance, but is this um, ongoing until you decide you wish no longer to do this? Yeah, uh, it, no, it, it, not ignorant at all. It's a good question. Uh, it, it, Article three of the uh, Constitution says that uh, federal judges are appointed uh, and serve um, uh, during good behavior, uh, which means for life. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Uh, 
I, I can I can do this uh, until they take me out feet first, or I can quit if I uh, decide that uh, I want to do something else. But uh, that's and that's why the process is as difficult as it is because, and I understand that, and we do. Uh, recognize that uh, they're stuck with us once they put us on the bench. So uh, the, the vetting is, uh, is, is pretty serious uh, that you go through to get the job. Before we get to our uh, – we got two phone callers on the line. But I wanted to ask, do you ever still speak with the president? What uh, was your relationship? What is your relationship with the president? I, I don't know the president. I've met him. Uh, but uh, I don't have any personal relationship with uh, George W. Bush. Uh, typically uh, – um, you know, although he personally signed off on my nomination, uh, my credentials were presented to him. I was recommended by uh, other people. I was screened by uh, the White House counsel uh, and uh, I, I don't have any personal uh, relationship of any uh, of any sort that's uh, enduring. Met him, chatted with him briefly on a couple of occasions. That would be the extent of it. Well, let's go back to the phones. We have Don on the line. Don, do you have a question or a comment? Hi. Um well, friend of mine, I volunteer at Wonder Lab, and a friend of mine uh, gave me a book, Unscientific American, uh, How Scientific Illiteracy Threatens Our Future. And it, it is uh, interesting. It's, it's not just the failure of the schools, but I'd like to speak about one of the failures of the school. It comes from the uh, national sale of textbooks. And because of the in essence, Bible Belt state of Texas and our southern states, <clears throat> there is a tremendous pressure uh, on textbook authors. And I teach at Ivy Tech. And uh, the two available earth science textbooks that are uh, available, period, that's a relatively small market for junior college and uh, earth college or science classes, the two textbooks don't even mention the word evolution. And part of the reason that is goes back for historically is the fact that they want to be able to sell these textbooks nationwide. And it is disturbing that a group such as uh, these young earth fund of Christian fundamentalists have such power in our country. Uh, to, you know, would some group that wants to be able to say the earth is flat have the same uh, power to dictate that uh, you should also teach that uh, uh, some believe the earth is flat, therefore, you know, you have to present that as, that's not a theory, it's just... Uh, Illiterate. I just. I don't want to get upset on the radio, but uh, um, moronic is the word that comes first and foremost to my mind of this group of people that have. Uh, they are so hooked into a belief system that reality. I love to refer to these type of people as having reality deficiency disorder. <clears throat> well, Don, do you have a question? Uh, the question is, is uh, there's a subtle legal implication of the power of these people uh, to dictate. Uh, this, this is one of the weaknesses in science education, is if you cannot get, uh, you have your textbook manufacturers that are so intimidated by local school boards and state school boards such as uh, Texas that uh, want to have their religious agenda camouflaged into the system. So 
uh, somehow there needs to be a legal um, discussion of um, the rights to have uh, science presented as science. All right, let's let uh, the judge respond to Thank that. Thank you, Don. Well, Don, uh, as, as I frequently say in response to questions like yours, and it's, you raise a very good point, um, the Constitution doesn't have any provisions in it that, uh, that uh, prevent stupidity. Uh, and um, this was an establishment, establishment clause case uh, within the First Amendment, uh, you know, dealing uh, with a, um, a, a particular fact, a situation. I am familiar with the textbook issue that you uh, mentioned. Uh, the first witness in my case is a fellow by the name of Ken Miller, who's a biology professor at Brown University, and he's the co-author of the um, sort of seminal text used by most uh, uh, high schools uh, on uh, uh, that's used by ninth grade science. Uh, uh, teachers, it's Miller and Levine's text, and uh, he was um, very concerned. I know recently um, about uh, some of the state uh, board uh, meanderings in Texas uh, that, if it had gone a certain way, would have uh, caused him to have to uh, modify uh, markedly his textbook. Um, we have a country where uh, there is there are no. Um, uh, we don't have federal mandates um, as they relate to teaching evolution, for example, and, and some of these uh, curriculum uh, decisions. So it's really a, a kind of a uh, hopscotch uh, uh, pattern across the uh, country and um, that's a political decision. Uh, it's not what I do uh, and um, – but you do raise an interesting point. Well, thank you for your call, Don. Uh, before we go back to the phones, we're going to take a quick break. It's uh, the bottom of the hour. We're going to come back. We're, today we're talking with U.S. District Judge Johnny Jones, and we'll be back in, uh, in a minute or so. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, Smithville Telephone Information at smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 745. Hi, welcome back to Noon Edition. Today we're talking with Judge Johnny Jones. He's a U.S. District Judge. Four years ago, he presided over Kitz Miller versus Dover Area School Board, which we uh, joked earlier was the Scopes Monkey Trial, the sequel. Uh, we're going to go back to the phones. Uh, we've got Rachel on the line. Rachel, do you have a question? Yeah, thanks uh, for having for letting me through. <laughs> um, yeah, I was wondering, you went over Judge Jones one of the texts that was brought in uh, for witness or for the defense. 
um, Ken Brown's textbook from from Brown University, and I was I was wondering what other texts came into play during this trial um, on both sides, the the defense and the prosecution, and and why, and ultimately which ones affected your decision um, ultimately the most. Well, the, the, the text that I referred to uh, was uh, uh, not a part of the trial, uh, particularly. That's uh, Miller and Levine's biology textbook. I'm just familiar with it because he was a witness in the uh, trial. The, the text that uh, uh, was uh, perhaps the, the, the most formidable uh, um, and, and indeed damaging at the end of the day um, was uh, the Pandas and People uh, textbook, which uh, – uh, was the um, uh, as I said, sort of the um, bedrock basal text in support of intelligent design, and uh, the the primary reason it was so damaging was because uh, the plaintiffs' attorneys, uh, through very astute discovery work, were able to determine that um, uh, that the in the first edition of the text, I should back up. The, the defendants' argument was that intelligent design had nothing to do with creation science or creationism. However, the plaintiffs' attorneys were able to determine by getting the first edition of the book that, in fact, uh, the the uh, words uh, creationism or creation science were simply cut out of the book uh, uh, when a case uh, prevented that from being taught. Um, uh, Edwards versus Angulard, a case that was decided that, around 1987, and then replaced with uh, intelligent design, which really gave lie to one of the central arguments that the defendants made. So that book was a powerful um, and adverse uh, piece of evidence against the uh, defendants. Uh, there were certainly other treatises that were referred to, but nothing so impactful as that. If there had been a, a creationist argument rather than an intelligent design-based argument, do you think that the case would have turned out differently? Well, it, yes, because creationism um, it, through uh, the Epperson case that was decided in the 1960s, uh, it, it, it's already been deemed uh, unlawful and a violation of the Establishment Clause to teach uh, creationism. So uh, it, it, the case would never have been. Um, the, what, what is significant, was significant about my case is that uh, the defendants posited that intelligent design was not creationism, was not creation science, that the intelligent designer was not God um, and that this was something new and different and provable uh, and uh, – uh, and, and that's what made it distinctive uh, and different from the uh, earlier cases. But at the end of the day, uh, I found and, and, and believed uh, and continue to believe that uh, in, the intelligent design is nothing more than, than the successor to uh, creationism and, uh, and creation science. It, it, it really is indistinguishable. Well, thank you very much for your call, Rachel. We're going to uh, go back to the phones uh, again. We have uh, two Waynes on the phone. I guess we'll go to the first Wayne. Wayne, do you have a question? Hi. I, I, I'm the Wayne you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's you. Okay. Uh, I, Judge, I, I understand your finding in the, in the Dover case was the inadmissibility of religion in, in the scientific classroom. Is that right? Uh the, the inadmissibility of religion. Well, it, it wasn't quite that. It, it was that um, um, it, 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 of a variety, I suppose. It was that uh, something that they were seeking to teach uh, uh, was at bottom uh, religion, and, and therefore elevated uh, a, a, a particular religion uh, above other religions in violation of the uh, establishment clause. Well, what, 
Would it be accurate to say that, that you that you are holding that believing in intelligent design is religious, but believing that life created itself is not religious? Is that is, no, is that no, fair? not not necessarily. Um, the, the the second part of your uh, analysis would not be necessarily correct, and and it, it had nothing to do necessarily with belief. What it had to do was with was the injection of uh, intelligent design, which I, as I said, uh, I found to be uh, nothing more than the the uh, successor to creationism. It had to do with injecting that into a high school biology curriculum under the guise of science, when in fact it was uh, religion, and that it was being taught uh, uh, to students. Uh, that is an impermissible abridgment of the uh, establishment clause. Well, now in a in a previous comment just a couple of minutes ago you mentioned the case of edwards edwards versus aguillard i did yes and and in that case uh justice scalia joined by chief justice rehnquist made a dissent i'm i'm very familiar with that dissent well let me quote from it justice scalia says this joined by justice rehnquist quote the united states supreme court has held that secular humanism is a religion Belief in evolution is a central tenet of that religion. Thus, by censoring creation science and instructing students that evolution is a fact, public school teachers are now advancing religion in violation of the Establishment Clause, unquote. Comment, sir. Well, I wouldn't agree with that, and uh, obviously the majority didn't agree with that. I'm, I'm familiar with the dissent. I'm very familiar with uh, Justice Scalia's uh, 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 philosophical bend on this, and uh, it is it is a great intellectual argument that uh, endures and uh, still endures in the court. Justice Scalia uh, believes that uh, we become entirely uh, too doctrinaire and restrictive uh, in, in in establishment clause cases, and that the tests we use to evaluate uh, these disputes are too restrictive. Um, as a trial judge applying the tests, I, I found them useful and helpful. And um, uh, and, and so, uh, uh, you know, I, I might disagree. But here's the thing that you must remember, Wayne. Uh, I, I take the law as I uh, find it. Uh, I could not, even if I believed in that dissent, utilize that dissent in the resolution of my case. I am bound by the precedent established uh, by the Supreme Court of the United States and uh, the majority – opinion binds me whether I like it or not. I can't change that. So even if I embraced uh, Justice Scalia and, and Rehnquist's, uh, uh, Chief Justice Rehnquist's views, I was not free to adopt that. They didn't, they didn't prevail uh, in that case. Thank you, Wayne. Ask, does it trouble you at all that, that evolution is just as religious? No, no doubt intelligent design is religious. I, I, I certainly admit it is. Creationism is religious. But so is evolution. Does that, does that trouble you? No, I, I, and I and I and I think that that's a misnomer. I don't I don't find uh, evolution to be a religion. I, I think that it is uh, a fact uh, predominantly, and uh, uh, you know I'm secure in my own faith, and I I might disagree with that. Thank you, Wayne, for your call. Uh, unfortunately, we lost our second Wayne. He hung up. Uh, if you'd like to call in and ask uh, Judge Jones a question uh, locally, it's 812-855-0811 or toll-free, it's 1-877-285-WFIU. Perhaps we'll get that second Wayne back. Uh, Judge Jones, I wanted to ask uh, 
since you've, you've ruled on the issue, does this settle the issue? Could this come up again in, in some other court? Sure. Uh, my ruling has no precedent outside uh, Pennsylvania uh, in the law. Uh, we deem it, uh, you know, potentially persuasive, and and I'm heartened by the fact that um, it, it has been persuasive, not necessarily in other decisions because there hadn't been a case like this in the last four years, but um, I, I know anecdotally across the country that school boards and um, uh, local and state uh, have examined it, and and uh, it's led, I think, to a better understanding of the dispute, and for example, what intelligent design is all about. But make no mistake, uh, I didn't put a capstone on this uh, argument any more than Scopes did, uh, you know, eighty-four uh, years ago. It, it will come up again uh, in another court in another time. It may not be intelligent design; it, it may be a variation on it. Uh, I, I have a sense that um, what I may have done is is uh, impaired uh, if if not killed the intelligent design off because I think it had its day in court and it didn't do well. But those who question evolution will persist and this will come up in another forum, I'm sure. Because it's so central to what we're talking about today, I wanted to clarify just a little bit. Um, intelligent design tells us then that the earth and, and – well, we'll stick with Earth. The Earth and everything on it was created by a higher being, but not necessarily God. Well, yeah, and it doesn't necessarily get into the origins of life, nor does evolution, by the way. And that's right. that, 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 that's um, something that uh, uh, gets lost, I think, in the analysis and, and is easy to to lose track of. Intelligent design essentially says, for example, um, that that um, one of the Examples they use is the bacterial flagellum, which is this wonderful thing that looks like it has a rotary motor in it and it looks so exquisitely perfect as it motors around that uh, intelligent design holds that, um, well, it, it, it must have been created intact. Um, it, it could only be the product of an intelligent designer and, and of course, that's uh, fallacious because it's been shown that there's a precursor to it. What's interesting is and, and yes – in, uh, proponents of intelligent design say that there is some intelligent designer, but when pressed in, uh, on cross-examination in the trial, every single one of the intelligent design uh, proponents admitted that they believed that the intelligent designer was God, um, making it sort of indistinguishable from uh, creationism in that respect as well. Okay, thanks for clearing that up. That makes more sense now to me. Uh, Judge Jones, uh, a little bit earlier you said that this ruling has no uh, tentacles outside of uh, Pennsylvania. Well, it has tentacles. It just isn't pres- – it isn't precedential the way a Supreme Court uh, decision would be so that I'm clear. It, it, it's, it's certainly reached around different places but the other federal judges out of my district are not bound by it just so that you're, you're clear. That's what I meant. Well, what do you, how do you see this ruling affecting you know, us in, in south central Indiana? How does it uh, – what significance does it have for the rest of the country? Well, I think that in, at the time – uh, certainly, I didn't understand what intelligent design was about, and I can only imagine that school board members didn't. And uh, as I've joked with people, uh, a, a concept that has the word "intelligent" in it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? When you, <laughs> when you have it presented, and I think you know my my opinion, and, and this I don't mean this to be immodest in any way, but it's 139 pages. Uh, it's very comprehensive. I wrote it that way. I was very conscious of the fact, obviously, that that it was going to be studied and looked at, mm-hmm. and it's 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 sort of a, a primer for uh, those who who might 
be considering this. And I think if you sit down and you read it and you take the time to look at it, it it's very uh, illuminating as it attends uh, uh, what intelligent design is and isn't and, and, and perhaps what evolution is as well. I'd love to read it. Is it available? In oh, it's what online. Form? It is? It, it's, it's online? online. Sure, sure. And what would one look up? If you Google uh, – uh, uh, you know, Dover, Kitz Miller, Intelligent mm-hmm. Design, uh, it, it'll, it'll come up uh, right at the top uh, uh, and give a plug to, you know, Wikipedia, uh, which is my kids think the greatest thing about this decision is I've, I've got a Wikipedia page. <laughs> but you can, you can, you You're can, cool now. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It, it created uh, uh, coolness for me at home. But, uh, but you can, you can uh, find it on the Wikipedia page. Uh, that uh, uh, There are several Wikipedia pages actually about – the case about mm-hmm. me and so forth, and you can you can easily link to it. Great, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will want to do that if they're having trouble sleeping. It's a hard, hard <laughs> <three pages. laughs> well, Judge Jones. Uh, earlier, you said that uh, your ruling surprised some people. You were appointed by George W. Bush. Uh, you have a Republican background. Um, what kind of flack have you gotten for your decision? Well, I have a collection of people who've uh, put. In, put spears in me. Um, uh, started with Bill O'Reilly the night of the decision who called me a fascist and um, uh, went uh, from there to, to – uh, You must uh, be so uh, proud. Uh, well, it, w- I'll tell you what. It, it, is a, it is a very unnerving thing and then you get used to it. But to be uh, uh, kicked apart on national television uh, uh, is, uh, is a little disturbing. Uh, I was not a dedicated O'Reilly viewer uh, before that but hubris caused me to watch his show and uh, – <laughs> And I regretted it, but um, and then you know, following that, uh, the, the Reverend Pat Robertson and Phyllis Schlafly, who's who's still uh, around and breathing, uh, uh, took a real poke at me. But the you know, sort of the seminal um, criticism I received was from Ann Coulter, uh, oh. who dedicates a, 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 actually the the book she wrote in '06, Godless, uh, was uh, substantially about this dispute, uh, although it received press for. Uh, the 9/11 uh, widows, and um, she devotes a fair number of pages to to telling people how stupid uh, mm-hmm. uh, I was, and um, uh, that's sort of a sample. But I look in the main. Um, I, I've had the most you know wonderful uh, uh, experience, and we don't write decisions to get praise or to avoid criticism. But uh, but I, I I've uh, I've been very gratified by uh, the reaction in the main. Um, you know, there's always going to be some people who will disagree with judicial decisions, and we accept that. Have some people called you an activist judge for sure. for your decision? Sure. How is it, well, how is in fact, right I, wrong? well, and I anticipate that. I, I, I said it right in the decision. I, I could see that coming, and I said. Uh, uh, for those who, who would deem this to be the product of an activist court, uh, we're not that. I said the activism uh, came from the school board, uh, you know, eager to uh, put this policy out. Um, I've gotten to know Sandra Day O'Connor, who is a, an absolute uh, gem and a wonderful person, and is making it uh, the work for the balance of her life to go out and talk about good civics education and. Uh, my friend, uh, former Justice O'Connor, uh, deems an activist judge a judge with whom you disagree, and I think that's a, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good definition. Mm-hmm. Well, this has obviously just been an amazing event in your life. How has it changed your life? Well, I've written the first line of my obituary, um, and uh, it, no, it, it, it's it's. Um, I can't even begin to tell you. It's uh, th- that I could be here today in uh, Indiana um, with you, and uh, I've traveled across the country. I've met so many wonderful people. Um, it's a, the experience of a lifetime, and I really enjoy 
um, putting a face on the federal judiciary because I think that's necessary. Um, I can get in this case and never get out of it, I have to tell you. Uh, and it's fun and I enjoy talking about it still. But but more than that, to explain to people how judges work I think is, is critical and uh, if I use this as a hook to get me out and – and let me do that. Uh, it's it's fine, but it's it's uh, um, it's been the experience uh, of a lifetime and beyond anything I could ever have imagined that I'd have the opportunity to do. Reaction from other federal judges? Well, they were very kind, and um, uh, we don't. Um, uh, Republicans, Democrats, whatever our backgrounds, we get along. Uh, we're very collegial. Um, we're more interested in process uh, than anything else, and. Um, uh, my colleagues have been wonderful. Uh, we have a kind of an internet um, and um, it, was, it was so uh, uh, gratifying that uh, uh, in the days after my decision, I received emails from my colleagues around the nation, uh, you know, sort of the attaboy uh, mm -hmm. comments from judges of all stripes and that they've, it's been uniformly, uh, uniformly good uh, and, um, uh, and, and that's – the, the highest form of, of praise and flattery for me is when my colleagues, uh, uh, you know, uh, believe that uh, that I did all right. Mm -hmm. Is it frustrating for you, uh, as someone who has accomplished so much in your life, to be known for just this one thing? Not at all. If if, if that's it, that's fine with me. Uh, I'll never have a case like this again, most likely, and uh, and that's that, that's fine. Uh, uh, you know, when I went when I arrived on the bench. Um, I hope to uh, have the opportunity to do some uh, substantial cases, but uh, this was one that uh, that I didn't see coming, obviously. And I think most federal judges uh, who serve for decades uh, will never see a case like this in their docket. So it's perfectly fine if this is part of my epitaph. So you'll be speaking here on yes. campus today. Mm -hmm. Tell mm -hmm. us how that came to pass. Well, I was contacted uh, uh, by the university and. Um, uh, as I have been by a lot of universities around the country and, and colleges, and I find it entirely stimulating, as I said, to get out and uh, and do that. And uh, uh, so I accepted the invitation, and uh, and uh, so we're going to have that and a reception. And, and uh, uh, is this open to the public? Uh, the the um, event is open to the public. Uh, hopefully, you can get the details from. Uh, whatever resources you have there because I'm not the planner. I'm just the attender <laughs> and the speaker. But yeah, my understanding is that it is open to the public. And we should remind listeners that um, Judge Jones is here as a lecturer for IU's College of Arts and Sciences 2009 themester, Evolution, Diversity and Change. If uh, in the last few minutes of the program, if callers want to uh, call up and uh, squeeze a question in, it's 855-0811 or toll-free 1-877-285. WFIU. Well, Judge Jones, uh, I know you've run for the House before and you've been uh, rumored for other political offices. Uh, are you comfortable on the bench? Do you think you're going to stay there? Well, you know, I, I, I often wonder if there's another act or something else that I would want to do because I, I consider myself relatively young. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable where I am right now. You, you never say never uh, about other opportunities in your life. I, I don't know uh, that I would necessarily say that uh, – Ten years from now, I'll still be uh, on the bench, but uh, but uh, I'm challenged and, and stimulated by what I do, and, and still enjoy it very much. And uh, when that stops happening, then I'll look for something else. In doing research uh, before you came on the show, you've been characterized as a, a church-going conservative. Has this case, especially the, the the witnesses that were brought in, has this challenged your own faith at all? No, it didn't at all. And and it's very interesting how you get pegged. Uh, you know, my background is. A is as a Republican mm -hmm. and just as um, 
people uh, tag uh, Democrats with liberal, uh, people tag Republicans with conservative. If you search my background, I would challenge you to uh, uh, to develop uh, uh, some uh, consistent theme of uh, conservatism. Uh, you know, I, I'm uh, uh, you know I, I, I have fairly eclectic. Uh, uh, beliefs about things. I am a Republican. I was a Republican when I when I got on the bench. But uh, um, uh, to to peg me as, uh, as some conservative or arch conservative might not be necessarily correct. If you want to get into uh, a discussion of uh, political philosophies, and uh, you know the church going aspect, I think was it was interesting and uh, titillating to the uh, press. You know, so it is. I, I I've never had a crisis of faith or confidence about uh, what I did in the case. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you listened to you know hours and hours of testimony. How uh, from conflicting sides? How tough was it for you to actually come to a one consensus out of uh, this? This trial was a, a few months long, right? It was. It was uh, over about three months, six weeks, uh, uh, because we'd start and stop, and I had other cases that I had to do. But uh, um, the, the decision itself was not hard to arrive at because the testimony was over, overwhelmingly favorable to the plaintiffs. The challenge was how to write it, um, and uh, I was I was particularly challenged because. Um, I, I, I knew that uh, uh, you know by the time it, 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 uh, the trial concluded uh, from that point to the time that I released the decision that literally we had attention from around the world uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, you, you want some pressure when you write something that's pressure and mm-hmm. uh, uh, so we went through many many iterations and, and many drafts and condensed it and uh, when I couldn't stand looking at it anymore, I finally released it on December twentieth uh, of, uh, of two thousand five. But it was it, it was uh, not not hard to decide, hard to write. Were cameras allowed in the courtroom? They weren't. Um, we don't allow cameras in federal courtrooms, but we should. And that's not my call. That's that's national policy, and and in addition to some local rules uh, as well. Uh, I just received that question the other day at a uh, university uh, in Pennsylvania, and. Uh, uh, you know, I said then, and I say now that uh, I think we need to change that, and I think we will. I mm-hmm. don't think it'll be too long before we'll have cameras. It would have been uh, beneficial to have them in the uh, courtroom. Okay, a couple uh, bits of information from the booth. Thank you, Ariana. Um, they inform us that there is a documentary on this topic. Um, it's a, it was produced by Nova um, by WGBH Boston. Um, it's called D- Judgment Day, Intelligent Design on Trial. Apparently that is available if you're interested in, in purchasing that. You can purchase it on the uh, PBS website. What, right. what interaction did you have with that? Well, I, I met the uh, Nova folks uh, and particularly Paula Absel, who's uh, the producer uh, at uh, Nova early on and they uh, hooked me in and asked me to uh, uh, advise them uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, to sort of be a, a legal technical uh, advisor and it was a, uh, just an interesting, um, um, stimulating process uh, to go through it. So. Uh, uh, it took about a year and, and uh, they, they have this, uh, uh, I think, brilliant piece of work that I would commend to people. It's in two hours you can get a uh, much condensed version of everything that uh, uh, took place mm-hmm. both in the enactment of the policy through the trial and the decision and a lot of science uh, and some law you know, besides. 
It must have been well done because I understand it was the winner of the AAAS Science Journalism Award for 2009. So it was, and it also won a Peabody uh, in wow. uh, 2008. Uh, so it, it, it's uh, and it's really been used. I've found across the country in colleges and in uh, high schools, and teachers are showing it and using it as a as a as a teaching tool. Wow. Well, um, we you can hear Judge Jones uh, speak today at 4 p.m. at the Wittenberger Auditorium. Yeah, and we're out of time. Uh, thank you so much. For for coming on the show today. It's been great to talk to you. Great to talk to you both. Thanks for having me. Please join the program next week at the same time as we discuss prostate cancer awareness uh, on Noon Edition. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Ariana Prothero, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Daniel Robison. Thank you for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times, A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922, with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.